0: The Sunday Grill with Crane & Crane Insurance. To compare motor and home insurance quotes across multiple different insurers, see craneandcrane.ie.
1: Well, my first guest this morning is no stranger to The Sunday Grill or to working from home. Wexford's Carmel Harrington has talked to us before about being a self-published writer, to getting international book deals, writing the prequel to so- Cold Feet and much, much more. Carmel has just released her latest novel with Harper Collins called My Pear-Shaped Life and Carmel joins me this morning to tell us more. You're very welcome back to the Sunday Grill, Carmel. I think,
2: um, I think is this is at least the fourth or fifth time I've been in having a chat with you actually. Um, it is at least that anyhow. So I'm, I'm really delighted. It feels like another little piece of home for me. So thank you for having me back.
1: A very strange way for us to be talking these days. but I, And I suppose your book is very apt for the times that we live in and its title, My Pear-Shaped Life.
2: Oh my goodness, if you knew how long it took us to come up with that title too, because initially this book was called Finding Greta Gale when I wrote it. And so in my head, that's what it was for such a long time. But then this trend started where everybody started releasing books with the title character's name in the in the title of the book. And, and um, we kind of thought, oh, we wanted to do something a bit different. So it took us ages to come up with a title that we felt did the story justice. And then we came up with this and talk about being apt, as you say. Everything's gone pear-shaped.
1: You've written about people who are in homelessness. You've written about agoraphobia and cancer. What is My Pear-Shaped Life about? Well,
2: kind of one of the central themes in My Pear-Shaped Life is around the whole issue of body um, image um, and how we see ourselves. And the central character, Greta Gale, she's just, I think, very typical um, of a lot of um, people that I know, that she hides her insecurities behind a very big smile. So, to her family and her friends, she's just happy go lucky. Um, The stereotypical, unfortunately, um, overweight girl who kind of laughs at herself before anyone else laughs. But really, inside, she's crumbling and things have begun to go very wrong for her, Um, both in her profession, she's a struggling actress. And also with her family who were all super fit, enthusiastics and all trying their best to get her to lose weight. But I don't know about you, Orla, but I know for myself that um, you have to be in the right frame of mind um, to do anything for yourself, whether it's give up smoking or lose weight, go on a diet. And um, sometimes the worst thing you can do is to put pressure on someone to do that. And she's certainly feeling pressure from all sorts of sources. And things go really wrong for her and something pretty awful happens to her. And then it sets her on this new journey. Of self-discovery and self-love ultimately.
1: And what kind of age group is Greta in? Do age groups change with your book?
2: Depends on the character really. She's actually, she's in, she's in her late 20s and I, I've written characters who are in their 60s. Um, I quite often do characters who are actually a bit older. I quite like writing, um, I suppose that May to December kind of relationships between someone older and someone younger. But in this case actually she's she's in her late 20s and her Uncle Ray who also pays a very strong, it's almost as much his story as it is hers, really, um, because he's in his his mid-40s. And for him, he kind of feels that life has passed him by. He his His normal every day, he's created this world for himself, whereby he eats the same breakfast every morning. He uses the same shampoo and the same toothpaste brands. Everything about his life is the same. And while he has a nice life, he has a job, a house, a car, like, it's just really there's no there's nothing new and exciting in his life and he kind of wakes up one day and realizes this is not the world I really wanted to create for myself and asks himself the question how can he make some changes in his life too so it's kind of his story too they both end up going on this yellow brick road of self-discovery if you like but it's an epic road trip that takes them from Dublin to um, Kansas City and then onwards ultimately to Las Vegas so it's a it's a road trip book as well as being um, um, around those those issues that we mentioned earlier which are you know pretty serious and I dealt with like there's some very sad moments in the book and some dark moments because Greta does get very dark there's there's a particular scene which I don't I don't want to share because it would be a spoiler but there's a scene with Greta that when people get to it they'll know what I'm talking about but but she has a very dark moment and things get pretty pretty serious for her um, but I think we all have to hit rock bottom sometimes before we can pull ourselves up again so ultimately it's a really uplifting book and I've been told it's my funniest yet which is good news because we all need laughs at the moment yeah yeah there's a lot of a lot of humor in it and a little bit of escapism in there too oh totally totally and I did the road trip that they do um, I did the exact same road trip so as part of my research because I really do take my research seriously and Um, I I felt that that they needed to go in a particular direction um, on the road trip but it was one that I hadn't done before so in order to kind of bring some colour and depth to that particular trip last year um, just a little over a year ago myself and my husband did the road trip in seven days and we drove thousands and thousands of miles well we started off in Kansas and we drove like Kansas um, state is huge and we started in the city the city itself but Went to all sorts of wonderful places and really took in a lot of roadside America um, because that plays a part in the story. Um, Made our way to a place in Kansas State called Caucus City, which has the largest um, ball of twine in the world. (laughs) I, I don't know where, Orla, I had come across this fact, but somewhere I had and it was stored in the back of my head. And when I want, I wanted to write a scene around a roadside curiosity and and I googled it and I, went, oh, my God, it's in Kansas. So it felt like it was meant to be. So I wrote a scene around that. So we drove kind of across country to leave the, the highways to go to this tiny, tiny, um, small town that really was a bit like a ghost town now, because I really wanted it to be very different. I wanted it to be. It's a quirky story, actually, um, because the reason they do the road trip is that Greta Gale, my character's um, name, she has a famous namesake, this um, this famous doctor, Dr. Greta Gale is her name, who is huge on Instagram. She's like this self-help guru. And and my Greta, the Irish Greta, follows her and follows every word she, she shares um, and is really, really kind of taken with her. And they go on this road trip to find her. And that's really, as they are on their way to find um, Dr. Greta Gale, Um, they kind of find themselves that's really the the story in essence and
1: I've just done a quick search for Dr. Greta Gale on Instagram and I see you've created
2: an account for her that was actually part of my research I did that kind of for myself I wanted to yeah I had to just kind of get my head into into her character you know what I mean and I wanted to kind of bring her to life and uh, she's a great character in itself you you get to know Dr. Greta Gale through her Instagram posts and um, her catchphrase is, can I get a hell yeah? <laughs> that's her catchphrase. And she has these, she really kind of, you know, she's almost Oprah-like. Do you know what I mean? She's one of these these um, charismatic characters that everybody really believes. And she's written, the, it's, I suppose it's, it's a book within a book, because she's written this book called um, What's in Your Cupboard. And she talks about the fact that we all have these cupboards which are overfull with issues and problems. And we all have to clear our cupboards out to, to lead a better life. And that's her thing. Um so it was fun to kind of create this 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 persona, really. And um, and it was just she she's just this brilliant character that had some humor as well. And there's a wonderful scene towards the end with her, um, which I think it made me laugh as I wrote it. So I hope people when they read it will laugh, too. So, yeah, it's 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 a, I hope it's the perfect story, I think, for the Crazy time we're in Orla because.
1: And tell me this, Carmel, are you now all your friends muse on how to work from home because you've been doing yeah, this absolutely. years? Are you yeah. good at this? Are you good at working from yeah, home? Yeah, I am.
2: I am. And I know I have to tell you I am because I've always been, I wouldn't have, um, this is like, this is my eighth novel and in as many years. Um, I've been writing professionally for eight years and I, and I wouldn't have a book, a new book written every year if I didn't get up and um, get out of my own way and sit at my desk and write every day. So, so I I'm very structured and I look at it. When I work from home, I have my working hours and they are basically when the kids are in school or if they go to they go to after school. Then three days a week. So, so my working day is either nine to three or it's nine to half five, depending on on their schedules. Um, and I I work. I sit down at my desk and I don't get up until it's time to pick the kids up. And I'm really structured with it but my top tips for it is, is that, you know, it's all, we can all talk about, we all need our PJ days. And I tell you in our house, we adore our pajama days. They are Saturdays and Sundays. If we're not going anywhere, we can rock a pair of pajamas all day long. But, but when you're working from home, that won't work. You've got to get up, you've got to get showered, get dressed, put your game face on. So if you don't do that, it's just too easy to kind of just, you know, kind of mooch about. Um, And I think you have to just do that. You have to just, create a workspace for yourself like I have a a writing room which I'm lucky so I actually have my my workspace but um and I'm very protective of it and I you know it's mine and the kids know and Raj know this is where I I I get my words done but even now my husband is working from home and what I said to him was this is only going to work if you have your own space so we've turned the spare room into it's tight because it's the smallest room in the house but we've taken the whole table (laughs) which was the thinnest table we had in the house and we've made that his desk in the spare room because it's the only one that fitted in there and so now he has a space to go to and he he literally he gets up every morning in showers and he goes into his room every morning um for nine o'clock and I go to my desk at nine um the kids are doing their homework from home so we've had to try and put that into it but it's it's tricky but I think the longer this goes on in order to kind of you do need a little bit of structure, I think, to kind of get through it. Because if not, you're it's a head wreck. It is really a head wreck if you don't kind of embrace it, I think, and try and make it work for you. So
1: And are you enjoying the kids being home and Roger it. being home as well?
2: Yeah, we do. Like we just we've decided to just have fun with it because we're quite chilled as a family, actually. We're not a stressy family really. But um we're just we're just taking the cue from the kids because I think they're the great teachers, Orla, and there we kind of asked them what did they want so initially for the first few days of homework we were kind of just letting them choose the pace throughout the day but it wasn't working because they're used to a structure in school so I've never been like one of these pin interest mums that's just not my gig but what I said to them would it would it help if we tried to, to kind of put times so we we now have timings during the day for English maths Irish for their their school work that's given but then also we've got lots of fun activities like we do the david Williams um elevenses he does this free free audio book every day we do dancing with Otimo Busi. so we did a bit of strictly come dancing but but we've written it up on a little chart and amelia made it pretty because she likes to make things she likes lists and making things pretty and it's up on the fridge and then some days we just let it go it doesn't kind of come to play but in the main they they tend to like oh quick it's five to eleven that means it's david Williams. Do you know, they like that
1: You're doing something very different to mark the publication of My Pear-Shaped Life. Usually you'd have a publication party. What are you doing now now that that's not an option?
2: Yeah, (laughs) well, do you know what? It's funny, about a month ago when this all started to become apparent, or maybe six weeks ago actually, even longer, um, I kind of thought to myself, God, I wonder will this impact my launch? Because we had loads of really wonderful things planned for the readers um, including hiring, we'd hired a cinema and we were going to do a private viewing of um, of a movie and we had lots of lovely events planned. But then this happened. So at first it took a while to try and just get used to that and um, and actually allow the disappointment in that this was not going to be as we planned it. But then we thought, you know what, people really want a little bit of escapism and we can provide that. So we're doing lots of fun interactive online content so there'll be lots of facebook um interviews with different people my editor from london and i are going to have an in conversation but she knows this book better than anyone so we're going to have a chat about the themes and and about my inspiration a bit about the road trip um i'm doing um a facebook live with the editor of woman's way so we've got lots of different things like that that we're doing that hopefully will provide a little break from the news for short spells um, we're going to do a watch along, actually, because The Wizard of Oz, there are some parallels. I use some parallels of The Wizard of Oz road trip with Dorothy and her pals um, in search of Oz in um, the Emerald City. And there are some parallels that I deliberately used in in this book. Um, so Greta Gale and her Uncle Ray and a couple of other characters that meet along the way are looking for Dr. Greta Gale, who is the who is Oz, if you like. So we're doing a watch along um, of the Wizard of Oz and we're going to have a chat on Instagram about that. So we're just trying to do a few little things like that, that hopefully will bring some smiles to people's faces and give them a chance to switch off from all the COVID news, which I know is so overwhelming for us all. It really is.
1: And again, if you want to check out what Carmel is doing to mark the publication of My Pear-Shaped Life, you can go onto her Instagram if you search for Carmel Harrington author or onto Harper Collins Instagram. And Carmel has a website. It is CarmelHarrington.com. Carmel, it was lovely to talk to you. Best of luck at My Pear-Shaped Life and I'll talk to you again soon.
2: Thank you so much. Thank you.
3: The Sunday Grill on Beat 102 103. Self
1: isolation and lockdown is okay if your home is a place of relative safety during this coronavirus pandemic. But what if it's not? A 16% increase in reporting of domestic abuse incidents has been recorded between 2019 and 2020 here. And even though Gardaí say they haven't seen a spike in reports since COVID-19 restrictions were put in place, across the world, the plight of people experiencing abuse is being discussed and how they can be helped while in lockdown. Lisa Morris is the manager of Amber Women's Refuge in Kilkenny and she joins me on the phone this morning. Hi Lisa. Hi, Arla. Thanks for having me on this morning. Oh, thanks for coming on. How are you doing?
4: Yeah, I suppose we're we're not too bad. We're just we're we're waiting for people. I suppose to try and make to make the phone call to our service. We have not. It is a little bit quieter. So we are kind of uh, thinking that people maybe think that they're not allowed to go outside their two K radius, or people are free to make the call, or that they think maybe that we're closed. So it's just we need to reaffirm that we are open. We are they ready for people to help. Um, the Guide have even launched a, a kind of an initiative called Operation Ships mm-hmm. which is an initiative that the Guarded Victim Services Office nationwide will make phone contact with, with previous victims of domestic violence or anyone that has concerns around domestic violence. And they're really, really encouraging people to make that call to either to themselves or to ourselves, and we can help with people, with getting people help. So, so it's you kind of are the, an essential really, service? Really, We are. We are an essential service, exactly, yes. So we're open. Even though our face-to-face services have probably, we can't go ahead with the face-to-face services. We'll do everything in our power to offer the same service through our phone, through email, through Facebook and Instagram. And there's lots of ways of of making the contact for our service. And I suppose even, you know, when when women are at home, it's going to be harder for them to make a phone call because if they're at home with their abuser, it's probably more likely that they're not going to be able to actually call. So maybe texting or through the phone, sorry, we don't have a text tech tech service, but we have the Facebook service, we have Instagram and the email, and, and that might be a better way of, of contacting the service. In
1: the, in the times that we're in, does it mean that women can't leave if they need to leave? No, it means that they can leave. If, if women are in dangerous situations, they can leave.
4: The Guardian has been very clear about this as well. If women are not finding themselves safe, they need to call the guards or they need to call their local domestic violence service, and they can help in getting them to safety.
1: Okay, that's good Or we
4: can help in getting them to safety. So it's, that's what I was saying. I think there's kind of a... And I maybe I may this is, might be a tactic of the abuser as well, is telling the victim that there's, there are no services open or that Geragy won't respond because of this busy time. But really, they will. Geragy have named this as one of their top priorities, domestic violence as their top priority, so they really are ready there to help people that need it.
1: Yeah, I just keep thinking of how panicked people who must be in abusive or controlling relationships felt when they heard there was a lockdown and had to stay at home.
4: I know, can you imagine? Because it really is the perfect storm for the abuser. Like, you know, now more than ever, women are at further risk of domestic abuse because it's all about power and control. So this now gives the perpetrator more power and control, literally handed to him on a plate. You know, your normal work and do, maybe the woman can get up, go to work, or bring the kids to school, go visit family and friends. This has all changed and all stopped, and they are literally stuck in a house, being abused, and a further risk of abuse now at this stage. So at least when they had the outlet, they were able to be out and about, but now you can imagine just being cooped up in a house with that person that's abusing them
1: 24-7. Is there any advice that you can give to people who are in that situation. I know, as you said, um guards are there to help if they need to be taken from that situation, but even just on a day to day basis, is there anything else that can be done?
4: Yeah, I suppose like let's just you know, call a spade a spade it is extremely hard if you're living in a in a small house or an apartment or, you know, any any kind of an environment where you're cooped up all day with somebody who's abusing you. The only advice I could give, really, is to try, try to keep safe, link in with your local domestic violence service, even if it's just around, you know, if you're not ready to leave yet, just link in for support, find out what's available to you. How what support you can get maybe to leave. You know, refugees are still offering accommodation to people as well. That's another important point that I'd love to get the listeners to hear. So if anyone is in that situation, it's to reach out for help reach out to your local domestic violence service. If you're in Kilkenny or Carlo, reach out to our service. We have staff there 24-7 ready to help.
1: Okay, great. Now you have a fundraising yeah. challenge on at the moment called Step Up, Stay Put. Tell us a little bit about that.
4: Yeah, we did. We said, you know, it's it's a nice time, I suppose, for families that could be able to maybe do some exercise and set a target as a family to raise some much-needed funds for Local charity. So we signed up to the um, initiative yesterday. So we're kind of getting our, our own social media set up around it. We launched it kind of last night. So it's to encourage people to do some steps at home. I think it's 10000 a day. Um, you can do it between you and the family, but then you can donate money to your local charity, which in our case it is for us. So hope, we're hoping that people might take it on now that they're at home and to keep up their exercise, keep up being fit and while also supporting your local charity. So we thought it was a great initiative to launch.
1: Okay, good stuff. Well, that is called stepupstayput.com if you want to check that out. But really, the website to give out if you are in an abusive or controlling home and you feel you need to talk to someone is amberwomensrefuge.ie. Is there any other way that people can get in contact then, Lisa?
4: Yes, so we have our helpline is eighteen fifty forty two forty two forty four. So we have our email address is info at amberwomensrefuge.ie Now all of these numbers are on our website which is Refuge.ie, and we also have Twitter, Facebook and Instagram which we try to keep updated regularly on our contact
1: details. Okay. So please do reach out if you need support. Great, well Lisa thank you so much for talking to us today and hopefully that will help some people. Thank you
4: Orla.
3: The Sunday Grill on BEAT 102-103
1: Well, three weeks into this new normal and it feels like every day we're learning something new about ourselves and how much we took for granted from the outside world. And one of those things is definitely hair. And I don't know about you, but I didn't realise how much grey hair I had until about a week ago. And men in particular are having trouble with their growing hairstyles. Sarah Cummins is a freelance hairdresser and educator for Moroccan hair. She put up a video on her social media recently on how to cut a child's hair. And she's here to give us some tips this morning. Hiya, Sarah. Hi, Orla. Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for coming on. I have to say I I enjoyed your video because I watched uh, a hairdresser to the stars in the States. I think she's like the Kardashians hairdressers yesterday and she had blades and thinners and different sorts of scissors out. I literally have my brush to dry my hair and a kitchen scissors. There's not much I have else to deal with.
0: Yes and that's normal and that's why um, the video I created, obviously I'm a hairdresser I have all the um, special scissors, clippers, everything at home but there was no point in me showing people that I'm not here to teach hairdressers how to cut hair it was giving mammy's tips and doing it with a kitchen scissors. Okay and you in particular your your video which is up on your
1: Instagram if people want to search for it, it's Sarah Cummins Hair um, is your child so one of your sons you use so we could Use the same sort of tips for a man, for example, if their hair was growing out.
0: A hundred percent. And I had actually great response from it. And people were sending me pictures of um, their husbands. And <laughs> even even my husband got a picture sent where a uh, father and son team both watched my video and then cut each other's hair. OK, so <laughs> um, it's been a great response and it is just What I was kind of saying, it's maintenance. Please, God, we'll be all opened again soon. Mm -hmm. It's not about doing this perfect haircut, but it is about maintenance, keeping the hair out of their eyes from around their ears, getting annoying. Um, So just general little tips that everybody could use.
1: Are we going back to the 80s with this, Sarah, and taking out a bowl and cutting around that? (laughs) <laughs> that's what I said on my Instagram I was like no
0: bowls are required to the making of this video
1: <laughs> so <laughs> no it's a
0: scissors and a co- and a comb is it scissors and a comb and I used two scissors I had a small one and a large one and the small one you'd hear you'd know it was my son it going ow, ow. um but because they were my small ones were quite, quite blunt Okay. Well, I still made it happen. It was fine. So what, like a nail scissors or something like that would do the trick? A nail scissors would be perfect for little clips around the ears to get the hair. In the video I showed where you push the ear forward, um, protecting the ears. Um, it's also, well, cutting kids' hair is difficult, even with professional tools. So always having a good grip on their head and protecting their ears because they can move quite suddenly as well. Okay. Now, men's hair and boys'
1: hair, I suppose, grows up more than down like our hair does so is it about just kind of snipping around that to create some sort of
0: oh what some sort of nice less amount of hair i've just took little sections pulling the hair straight up from against the scalp going straight up and cutting straight across and even i was showing how maybe a little bit of point cutting as well and you can see how it's not I was like hairdressers will cringe at this but it did the job it turns out and uh, very very well but it's going with the direction um, of the scalp so straight up and then moving your body around as well if you get me if you're going cutting near the front move your body to the front don't try and cut from the back forward okay it's moving your body with the sections as well
1: okay now what about people like me who have long hair that is just a lank in front of me can I just take a scissors put my fingers on the bit and just
0: chop Is it really, really bad? Or maybe we could hold out a few more weeks. (laughs) I could hold out a
1: few weeks, but the split ends are driving me nuts at this stage
0: i mean you could literally get them and tiny tiny little snips of the hair you know you're holding the hair but i wouldn't be trying like i wouldn't cut my own hair and i'm professional Mm. so i would be on that but there is so much amazing products out there um to disguise them while Mm -hmm. we're doing it or if you really really did need to do them you could literally just pull the hair out have a look at where your split ends are because split ends do need to be cut really there is brilliant products to help disguise but mm-hmm. not fix them cutting is the only way but you could literally tiny tiny at the very ends, just barely snip them
1: okay you know what i used to do when i was in school i don't know whether this was just a a thing we did you know the way you can kind of get clumps of your hair not too much now <laughs> and <laughs> twist it do you remember that and you twisted it yeah. and then when you looked at your hair you could actually see all the split ends sticking up could i give yeah. it a
0: cut then yeah, I used to do that years ago. You twist and then the yeah. up, and you could kind of if you're literally barely just because I this is something I definitely would never <laughs> a normal circumstance. Like I'm cringing inside, but um definitely you could do that. I used to do it years ago with little nail scissors. So you're not going to get too scissor ha- ha- happy with it, you know. And yeah. twisting it, and the split ends do kind of stick out a little bit, and you could just snip them a tiny, okay. tiny bit. I wouldn't be trying to do a full out haircut on yourself.
1: OK, God I no. won't. I promise. <laughs> do you know what? Unless I'm on work, I, ha- I didn't even wash it for the week of last week. You know, when you were told yeah. when you were younger, leave it, it'll be lovely and silky. But if you don't wash it for a week, well, that's not true. It's just a mess. I need to go to the hairdressers. But in the meantime, Sarah, people can have a look at your Instagram. That's where your IGTV video is showing people how to cut boys and uh, men's hair in particular is probably what it will help with. But work in a circle, as you said. Don't just cut from face on. But if you want to check that out on Sarah's Instagram, it is Sarah Cummins underscore hair. Sarah, thank you so much for Uh, talking to us. I'd say you're dying to get back to the salon, are you?
0: I know. I really, really miss it. Um, just doing hair. It's just uh, us and hairdressers, the it's our art, do you know. But you can see so many people making videos now. It's a really good time. I've done a lot of online training myself, you know, yeah. learning from other stylists. They're all doing stuff that they wouldn't normally have time to do. So it's a really good time um, if you are in, even in the industry to learn because there's yeah. so much there at the
1: moment Well hopefully we'll all be back to you soon and I know that with the minute that this is over that's what I'll be doing making all yeah. my upkeeping phone calls with my nails and my hair and everything I know So get ready for the onslaught so. yeah, We can't wait <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for talking to us this right, morning thank you.
0: thank you
3: The Sunday Grill on Beat
1: 102-103 Well lockdown is in place across most of Europe now but one of the strictest countries has to be Spain where even physical exercise is banned in fact one man was fined for cycling to his workplace and 260,000 police officers and an additional 130,000 military personnel have been imposing the lockdown one man who is experiencing this strict lockdown is musician Davy Lyons he's a brother to our own Shona Lyons from Beats Big Saturday Davy's living in Barcelona and he's on the phone to tell us about life in Spain Spain at the moment. Hi, Davey.
3: Hi, Orla. How are you doing?
1: I'm grand. How are you getting on?
3: Good. Well, at home, <laughs> like every morning at home.
1: Yeah, I think Spain... Two things I noticed about Spain. They got very caught up in the pandemic quite quickly. Am I right in saying that?
3: Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it, started, it began in Madrid. That was like the, the epicentre. And it was there before the rest of the country. And mm. it just very quickly... Increased and then the whole country went into lockdown,
1: yeah. And another thing I noticed is that lockdown happened very quickly as well. Was it quite a shock to you, or did they do what they did here with Ireland? Did they do a bit of social distancing and then lockdown, or was it lockdown straight away?
3: It was, it all happened within a few days. I had actually gone to Ireland to play some concerts, and while I was there, they um, said that you know, social gatherings of I think it was. Maybe a hundred or a few hundred had
5: to...
4: Mm.
3: Anything above that couldn't happen. And also that um, smaller events could only have a third of the capacity. And within two days, they'd announced that the full lockdown was going to come.
1: Okay. And where were you when the lockdown happened then? Were you here in Ireland or back home in Spain?
3: Before, just I came back right before it officially started here in, in Spain. Okay. Um, because the, the concerts I went to play in Ireland were also cancelled while I was there.
1: OK, and you're on your living on your own in Spain at the moment and you, while you were on the flight, is this right? You, you were on the flight, you got a call or got an email from the HSC saying that you'd been on the flight with someone who had been diagnosed with coronavirus.
3: Yeah, well, I was told, yeah, it was a casual contact of someone who um, had coronavirus. So for a couple of weeks then I was in isolation. Okay. I live with my girlfriend, but she's she's not her parents' place. She was there anyway before, but so I had to stay on my own for a couple of weeks, yeah.
1: Okay, but you were okay, were you?
3: Yeah, yeah, all good.
1: Okay, good stuff. So it's kind of amazing what Spain have been doing. There's been talk of drones out in Madrid, making sure no one's on the street. As I said earlier, fines for people who are even cycling to work. So people are, are they following the rules or are a few people trying to get out there?
3: Well, Barcelona is probably different than Madrid. It's so extreme in Madrid that um, it's, it's a different case. But even here in Barcelona, you know, the streets are... There's more pigeons than people on the streets, Okay. And the police cars are patrolling around. I haven't been stopped, but I, I've seen people being stopped. And I'm, I know people have been fined. Um, I went to buy something in the pharmacy last week. And I'd paid and was just about to leave when the woman told me to wait to take her seat in, police, in case the police stopped me. So it has been enforced and generally people are adhering to it. it okay.
1: And those streets are generally quite empty when you're out on them?
3: Oh, well, completely, yeah. There's literally more. <laughs> there's more pigeons than people. It's just like, wow. amazing. This is a, bus, a bustling tourist city like yeah. La Rambla, which is the main central walkway. Is just there's, there's nobody there.
1: And how are Spanish people reacting to all this? I
3: guess, I mean, you've seen people singing on the balconies and stuff like that. And every at eight o'clock every night, there's a round of applause for the medical staff.
5: Mm.
3: So there is a, there's a, I guess there's a sense of community from that. And, you know, we all do it every night and you see more and more people doing it as the weeks have gone on. But I mean, yeah, everyone's just at home and there's, Not much you can do about it. Yeah,
1: And even as someone who's at home on your own, are you getting to speak to people even from balconies or anything like that? Is there any human contact?
3: The the odd person on the balcony, yeah. But I mean, I guess we're all more than ever using whatever technological um, tools we have to keep in contact with people. Mm.
1: So what do you do to fill your days? What have you been up to?
3: Um, (laughs) (laughs) Everything is... uh, you do everything sl- slower. I think it's like being retired. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> so what, what are you doing slower?
3: <laughs> um, well, I'm, I'm, I'm writing and reading. I try to do, I do yoga every day to try to have some sort of physical activity and some meditation and yeah, cooking. I think mm. a lot more time cooking.
1: I think a lot of people are doing that, and here in Ireland and in the UK as well, we've seen so many different Instagrammers and fitness people. Uh, have videos every day and and live Instagrams. Is there a lot of that going on in Spain as well?
3: Yeah, if you like doing workouts from channels, and I even see. I've got a small balcony here, and you can see people on on rooftops, like doing workouts with their laptop in front of them. Uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> Grand. Okay. Well, look. Stay safe. I think we're all in the same predicament, but to see how strict Spain have been is very interesting and as strict in Barcelona but you think the the most strict place is that epicentre which is Madrid
3: definitely Madrid and it started earlier there as well so mm. they're, they've been I think maybe a week longer than other people
1: mm. so this and, is it's yeah. mid-March was the lockdown for you so you're kind of about a week ahead or so of us so have you got used to it do you think? I guess you
3: try you settle into some sort of routine of it yeah um, used to I think it's like the uncertainty because we don't know how long this is going to go on for mm-hmm. The technically it's until April 12th I think they said here in okay. in in Spain but there's, there's no way that I, I imagine it's going to go on much longer than that
1: mm-hmm.
3: it's not in, into May I don't know but
1: mm. and what are you missing what would you like to do if you could just leave your apartment and head into the city centre what would you like to do
3: I'd like to walk to the water. I mean, I was walking to the supermarket yesterday, and I thought, "Geez, I just love to mm. be able to walk a bit further." Yeah. <laughs> and then just, and then, well, you just miss, I guess, you know, you know, human contact or like
1: yeah. you know, yeah. touch,
3: you know, just to hug
1: someone or <laughs> <I know. laughs> something simple like that. I know. I never thought we'd be talking about these things. I'm with you yeah. in that. I really miss the beach. I never thought my two-kilometer radius would mean that I I can't see a beach.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So where, where can you walk or where do you...
1: I can walk to a river, which I haven't done. <laughs> That's right. the thing I find really interesting as well. There's things I can do that I just haven't done. Do you find that?
3: Um, I don't know. I can't think of that at the moment. I don't know. I'm just not, I
1: feel I'm just not taking advantage of the things I probably could do at this two-kilometre two radius, that I am so close to a river but I've gone nowhere near it. Um, right, okay. I let other people go to the supermarket. So I think I need to get my routine better in check, if you get me.
3: Yeah. Well, yeah. I I've, I've found here that the supermarket, is at the beginning, it was like you're, you're very excited because it was somewhere somewhere to go or you could go out. <laughs> but as the weeks have gone on, like you sort of feel there's like a tension among people and yeah. it's, it's not as... It's not actually that pleasant because you're there's like the social distancing and people trying not to get too close and everyone's in masks and wearing gloves as well, so it's like yeah. Yeah, you can I know There is a, well. a
1: strange tension around that. I don't think anyone means to have even, but it is quite you can you can feel it in the air. Well listen, take no, care if it's of inevitable, yourself. Yeah? yeah, it is. Okay. Hopefully this will end sooner yes. rather than later. That you will have a summer back walking the streets of Barcelona. It's such a beautiful city. How long have you been living there?
3: For, yeah, four years now.
1: So you must know it really well.
3: Yeah, quite well, yeah.
1: Great. Well, look, hopefully you'll be able to get back here to Ireland as well to visit and everything will lift soon. Davy, thank you so much for talking to us this morning.
3: No problem. Have a good day. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102 103. Well,
1: social Entrepreneurs Ireland are looking for people across the country with innovative ideas to solve social problems. They've extended their deadline to April 14th and they're calling on people in the Southeast to be a beacon of light and see solutions in times of adversity, which is now really. Michael Kelly from GIY based in Waterford is a past awardee and he's on the phone this morning to tell us about the award. Hi, Michael.
5: How are you doing, Orla? How are you getting on?
1: Grand, grand. How are you?
5: I'm all right. I'm holding it all together. <laughs> I'm sure you're the same yourself.
1: I am. Is there anything you're adapting, missing that you never... Adapting to... Adapting. Adapting is a good yeah. word for it, I think. I never thought I'd yeah. miss coffee as much as I miss coffee shops.
5: I know. I've I realised, actually, that you can. it doesn't matter what kit you have at home, it's never quite the same, oh, is it? No. No. Um, there's, there's like, there's criminal things happening to coffee here in our house at the moment.
1: <laughs> and you know what, Michael, I never realized how much money I spent on coffee either.
5: Yeah, well, that's very true. I I, I just badly miss my Grow HQ coffees in the yeah. morning now. Kind of, but anyway,
1: Me I'm too. sure
5: in the scheme of things, that's no, no great problem. I know? know,
1: I know. But people have lots of things that they miss. And one of them is coffee and my hairdresser. I miss my hairdresser as well. How is g i y going? I know the building for g i y the restaurant and the education center is closed, but g i y itself how are things going yeah
5: it's like it's a very strange time because we're we're sort of we've got this really odd mix for us, which is as you say grow h q is closed um to the public but uh on the g i y side of things we're absolutely flat out like we're just an unprecedented surge in interest in in our programs and everything that that we do on that side of it. And um, what
1: is that interest? What are people looking for?
5: Well, it's it's. I think there's there's two things. I mean, I think I think people are, are kind of reacting to everything that's going on and looking for positive things to, to do to sort of stay healthy and and sane while they're stuck at home. You know. Um. So there's a there's an element to that just. Trying to do something positive, and then I think I think there's a more fundamental thing as well, where people are kind of feeling very vulnerable, and at times like that, I think we go back to the basics of, of um, putting food on the table for ourselves. So it's I think I think there's an element of people feeling that the, the systems that we've put so much trust into are a little shakier than we thought, and, and so they start to think about self sufficiency a bit more. I think, and what they can do to you know grow their own food and mm. and put put food on the table themselves so are you self sufficient in
1: your house um we we'd be pretty much self
5: sufficient in veg and fruit all right um but uh like we and we have hens but we don't we don't rear any meat or anything here yeah. but um but uh, but funnily enough even though it's it's prime time for kind of getting out and and, and starting to grow food we're in we're in the hungry gap, which is the tra- you know traditionally is that time of year when the f- food available from the garden actually is is um, starting to to sort of really dwindle to almost okay. nothing. Um, so that goes on like April and May are the peak months of that, and then in in kind of. Uh, in June, July, then things start to pick up again. So
1: okay, it's that's kind of, interesting, because um, I yeah. really notice the leaves are coming out on trees and buds are sprouting, but when it comes to vegetables, it's their dwindling time.
5: Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I'm just, I'm actually standing in the veg patch as we speak, Coraline, I'm looking <laughs> around here. and <laughs> Not an awful lot to eat, I have a few Considering else. Considering
1: a, a, a trip to the supermarket, Michael.
5: Yeah, um, <laughs> lots of few parsnips left, some leaks and things, but okay. Uh, that's about it. And then so your winter veg. To come.
1: Yeah, so you're kind of at the last yeah. of your winter veg. Tell exactly. us a little bit about Social Entrepreneurs Ireland. It supports social entrepreneurs with innovative ideas. Tell us how Grow HQ and GIY fitted that bill.
5: Yeah, well, like we we started in 2008 in Waterford. Um, literally, our idea was to create you know community groups to for people to come together to to grow their own food and we had um you know we had one, one in Watford and and I think it started to spread a little bit then around the southeast but when we approached we approached social entrepreneurs Ireland first in 2009 um and they invested in us you know gave us grant funding and and other support to help us get the take the idea and really scale it so they were they were absolutely pivotal i suppose to helping us to start to think about you know a, a much bigger picture approach to to the kind of work we were doing and and you know started calling me a social entrepreneur when I didn't even understand what the word meant to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um but you know they really they really came in and and encouraged us to think big and gave us the the funding support and the skills i suppose we needed to to turn a local project which is what it was at the time into into something national and international um and we got a couple of other grants from them then later on for kind of bigger chunks of money and as we were starting to scale so they were they were really fundamental to the whole success of what we did um and i'm and i'm really kind of really proud to be an alumni and, and really would encourage people to sort of um you know if you have an idea it doesn't need to be fully formed um you know, it's it's a great time to reach out to them and get some support and, and help help take that to the next level.
1: And I suppose there are, like you said, plenty of entrepreneurs out there who are probably wondering whether they are social entrepreneurs. So how would you define it?
5: Um, I think it's 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 a kind of um yeah, it's a tricky one to define actually, but I think I think it's the sense that you've got an idea to change to change society, some aspect of society and and you're you want to apply a kind of an entrepreneurial approach to it. So it's, you know, the way the way I would generally describe it is this, this again it's like that sort of scale between or a spectrum between, you know, with charities at one end and the kind of for-profits at the other end and social entrepreneurs I think sit somewhere in the middle between the two. So you know, G.I.Y., We're we're not for profit legally, mm. um, but I think we're very entrepreneurial and very business focused in the way we approach the the social challenge that that we face. You know, so I think that's what it's about. Really, it's applying those business principles to to social change fundamentally.
1: But doesn't necessarily have to be a not for profit.
5: It doesn't actually. That's and and some of the most interesting things in terms of social enterprise are happening at. At the very end of the scale, so mm. you know for profit businesses who are converting into um you know almost exclusively socially focused so so um there's companies called b corps which are in that in that so people might be familiar with Patagonia and uh, the likes of innocent and mm. so on who are you know they're they're driven by a social a social good effectively while while also generating profits and that's a very interesting kind of section of the of the sector as well.
1: Yeah, and we're hearing about lots of companies who are changing to fit in with this pandemic as well, and hope that they can help and use their expertise to help during these times.
5: Yeah, I mean, I mean, the things you hear now every day that in in a in a normal time would be, you know, just this bombshell news. You know, as you say, like these companies. Like a reading, I was reading yesterday about like Boston Scientific, you know, completely changing how how they work to focus on, you know, uh, making ventilators, and there's just there's an ama- amazing things happening out there in all of this awfulness. I think there's um, there's people out there really focused on on just trying to help and do the yeah. best they can. And, I think there's a system change coming. That would be my own view. But I don't think society will ever be the same after this. And let's hope it's for the good, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. Again, as you said, with this... Um, with social entrepreneurs, it's a good way to show some of the things that are being doing differently during this pandemic. And the applications have been extended until the 14th of April. And that is for the Ideas Academy and Impact Programme that is being held with Social Entrepreneurs Ireland. If you're interested in applying or to get more information, there's virtual events on at the moment, isn't that right, Michael? Usually Social Entrepreneurs Ireland will have various events, but can't do that at the moment.
5: Yeah, that's right, um, and and I mean, I think that like all of these things, I, certainly in my case, I what attracted me first was the money, like there was funding available mm-hmm. for to do stuff, you know, and that that's what brought us got us interested originally, but actually the real value, you know, in in retrospect, uh, were, were the other support. So so the. You know the expertise and skills they gave because I like I ended up running a company that employs thirty people. Mm-hmm. hadn't absolutely hadn't a clue um, how to do that, and and they were there with those supports for me. But also just being part of a network of like minded people who are you know share that kind of gene pool of of wanting to be a social entrepreneur I think is really important too so being part of that network was hugely valuable to us.
1: Great, well socialentrepreneurs.ie is the website if you want to check out application details and the spec for that but you can also check out social entrepreneurs on social media if you want to see those webinars that are being held as well but the closing date is the 14th of April so you have a bit of time Michael take care of yourself I hope some of those vegetables start to sprout now over the next few weeks for you I'm
5: sure they will And, and we'll be back and coffee all the
1: time. <gasps> hopefully it comes sooner rather than <laughs> later thanks Michael alright talk to you soon The
3: Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103
1: well the man of our moment is of course Daniel O'Donnell you always fit in so well with the songs Donald. you were about to
6: say Daniel O'Donnell weren't no, you no <laughs> no I wasn't
1: I would never call you Daniel O'Donnell ever. Well, I was
6: actually mistaken for Daniel O'Donnell one time did I ever tell that oh, story no
1: tell us I was in
6: Tasmania about 20 something 25 years ago probably in the wilds of Tasmania and back in those days we used to use travelers checks remember travelers' checks no. you probably don't <laughs> anyway so back in the day before we had cards and all the business we used traveller's checks and I had this. my name is actually Daniel O'Donoghue so I'm in this literally in this remote location in Tasmania and I sign in this bank sign my traveler's checks with my name Daniel O'Donoghue and she goes to me Oh my God, are you that Irish country singer? I'm like, no, <laughs> don't think so. Imagine <laughs> so I oh, well.
1: if you would have said yes, what you would oh, wow. have got. Wow, you probably ask me
6: to sing on the spot or something like that. <laughs> something.
1: <laughs> hey, listen, how are you doing there? I'm okay, I'm okay. Mm-hmm. I
6: know one of one of, our, one of our tips this week actually and I know you've seen it actually we'll be talking about it in a minute but I hadn't seen it right and three days ago my neighbour across the street at an appropriate social distance mm-hmm. was shouting across to me anything to watch on TV and what I'm watching at the moment is, is the third series of Ozark
1: okay. on Netflix yeah.
6: which is Quite good because the second series is a bit of a bit ho-home, but season three is quite good. But he said to me, Have you seen this new thing, the the tiger, the tiger guy? And I'm going, Tiger what? I'm going, Tiger uh, tiger Woods, the golfer? No, (laughs) I literally hadn't carried this dude, right? Now, I have seen on Netflix, on your Netflix now, that was like the top 10 in Ireland thing, and number one for for the last while has been Tiger King, Murder, Madness, and Mayhem. Now, you've seen it, but I haven't, and I'm so intrigued. I know you aren't exactly wild about no, it no okay. I haven't
1: finished it yet and okay. um, what was the Netflix series that went people went crazy for about the guy who's in jail why can't I think of the name
6: I've interviewed the director or yes. I can't think of the name what is the, wrong the, with the murder, uh, to make a murderer making, making murder. a murderer yes, yes
1: Tiger King is very like that yes. in the way that it's grabbed people's attention because well, I can remember what, looking at Twitter and social media and seeing yes. people make um, references to this series that I hadn't watched and it's exactly the same with Tiger King like it's, recently yeah. crime yeah, yeah. recently uh, Britney Spears put up a picture of herself at one of her shows with the big snake you know that iconic oh, yes, picture of yes, the big yes, snake yes, yes, yes. but in the background is one of the guys from Tiger King a much younger version obviously with a tiger is, is this
6: Joe Exotic the yeah. main guy?
1: No, no, it's the another longer-haired guy that I can't. A long, think of another mullet-headed guy. <laughs> well,
6: <laughs> Joe, Joe Exotic is the main guy. See, I know what I all know about it. Really, is about what I read about it. And like you mentioned, um, the snake there was it Brit, Brit, Britney Spears. Mm. Yeah. Well, um, this guy is such a pop. Joe Exotic is the main character. It's a true crime series. As you say it's set in rural Oklahoma. This guy, Joe Exotic, as you know, as you've seen it, he's a very unusual-looking guy. I mean, he's got this handlebar mustache, blonde mullet. He loves his guns, collects his guns. Republican, card-carrying Republican, owns a private 16-acre zoo, lots of tigers. Uh, he's married. He's two husbands, has not he? He has two husbands. Yes. He has two yeah. husbands. Yeah. Um, and already people like Jared Leto and Edward Norton are posting up on their own social media accounts that they want to play him in the miniseries because he's taken the he's taken the TV world by storm. No, yeah. I haven't seen it. I, I'm intrigued just to see this guy. Um, you say it's very much pinned by the book. Is it in terms of crime series?
1: Like it's, I don't even know whether to call it a crime series. I don't really know what it is. The first oh. episode was quite dull, and it mm. took me a good week to say, "Will we give this another go?" And I think if we weren't in the times that we're in now, I wouldn't have given it another go. And I'm not hooked. I haven't watched it in a few days. I'm not okay. saying every night okay. let's watch this like making a murderer, but it's crazy. It's completely crazy. So in that sense, it's, it's a, the
6: buzz. It's the buzz at the moment, and yeah. like this guy, uh, Joe Exotic. Uh, apparently, he'd been pitching his own own story to networks in the US for a long time and yeah no one, no one you are trying to
1: make his reality show yeah
6: out. and he started a couple of music videos as well but his husbands he's got two husbands I mentioned and but you know this story takes a twist I don't know where exactly where are you are in the story but the story just take a twist because the people who made the original series have been looking to make a series about these people who have like their own private zoos across the US okay. and found this guy Joe Exotic and do you know what happened subsequently to Joe Exotic?
1: No, let's not, don't, let's not. Okay, so, I won't okay. give it away. Yeah, okay.
6: But something strange happened, as in these shows, that sometimes do, which kind of took the story to a totally different... Uh Okay.
1: All right. So, well, that yeah. is on Netflix, if you haven't seen it yet. Yeah, I think I'm only four episodes in. Mm. There's other stuff on Netflix, if you haven't seen it, and um, things that had a bit of a buzz around the time, yes. like Wild Wild Country. Remember that one?
6: Yes, I um, remember that one, yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a
1: Abducted in Plain Sight, if you want to check that one. I haven't that seen one. that, no. It's it good? quite good. You kind of spend your time going, how, mm-hmm. how did you let that happen? There's another one called Evil Genius that I quite liked as well. And my yes. favorite of 2019, a one-off documentary, is fire, the greatest party that never
6: happened. Oh, F-Y-R-E, yeah, that's right, yeah. <laughs> I loved it, I you, loved uh, it. Yeah, yeah, I heard very good things about it, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Want to catch up on all your documentaries? There you go, there's yeah, four there, five exactly. there. Or, yeah.
1: Hey, yeah. let's talk about another documentary, is this, on Wednesday, The Countess yes. and the Russian Billionaire. It's on BBC Two at 9pm. You will probably like this,
6: Ola, because I'm, I'm guessing you like. It. Just I like this. Sort of stuff. this you, mm. you like rich people. You like the I do. It's, look, it's look inside the secret world of very, 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 very oh, wealthy yeah. people. Uh, and this is look inside the secret world of the Russian oligarch Sergei Pudjichev and his British partner Countess Countess Alexandra Tolstoy. Um, This is is filmed in Russia, in France, in the UK. And sort of a story of romance. It's also a story of vast wealth and fortune and privileged lifestyles. I bet you're liking this already. love it already. So, Pudicev, who I knew nothing about, um, was once known as Putin's banker. He amassed a fortune more than north of $15 billion because he owned... Russia. One of, apart from owning one of Russia's largest private banks, he also owned a shipyard, a coal mine, and designer brands. But then, what happened? Then he fell out. He fell out of favour of Putin and the powers in Russia, and now they're trying to chase him down. So he fleed. Mm-hmm. Fleed is the word. He fleed to his chateau in France. While meanwhile, Alexandra is holed up in her in her residential. Palace in, in London. Okay. They have three children as well. And cracks in the relationship begin to be, begin to appear because of what's happening to them. So it's kinda of like a not only is it look inside the privileged lifestyle but so also looking the relationship that kinda of goes kinda of, kinda of, kind of goes But bit. Okay. Out is it, it well. a,
1: it's a like an awful lot it's one off? It's a it's, one off the one off
6: It's a one hour document, yeah. The recount is in Russian billionaire. It's on BBC two on Wednesday at nine o'clock. Okay. And it does go. sound I just want to see where they live, you know, nosy
1: parts of mm. the room. Yeah. Yes. And that's why I like those sort of things mm. as well. Just to see. When they throw the odd twenty grand at a light bulb and yeah. stuff like that That's right, uh, exactly yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tomorrow <laughs> night, bulb. I've had a lot of people talk to me about what's on tomorrow It's not even tomorrow night, it's tomorrow kind of early evening because it's, yeah, really. oh, it's for kids really It's night is a day, who cares anymore It's like everything's day right, right, or true, night or day true. Upside down, yeah. But this might bring back a few memories for people who read Enid Blyton's book Mallory Towers, the series is coming to CBBC uh, tomorrow at 5.30pm I'm going to record this one
6: Oh, great, actually, yeah, I wasn't sure. I, I, I mentioned to you there, uh, just for being on air, that um, I actually used to read some of the Manny Terrence books back okay. in the day. That's okay. Uh, but obviously, That's I was okay. tough for them to read. <clears throat> I'm, apart from all the other classics as well. Uh, this is where yes. they
1: played lacrosse, wasn't it? Lacrosse, lacrosse, lacrosse sport, yeah, yeah choice, and then all yeah.
6: the the name, poshy names, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, this is this the is 13-part series, and it follows the fortune fortunes of Daryl Rivers uh, played by Ella Bright I forget the names actually but so she leaves home for the first time she goes to an all girls boarding school Mallory Towers and um, see what it gets up there and between the lacrosse and the jolly japes and all that stuff so yeah it could be a bit of fun actually and I suspect that some of our older listeners will be tune as well because they would have read the books
1: but I do think like these books are what Seventy oh. years old, maybe, and I think uh, they are yeah. something that kids will read every generation.
6: Oh, I, somebody—I I don't know about do kids still read Enid Blyton. I'm sure they do. I think
1: they do. Like, I used to read another series about boarding schools, also written by uh, Enid Blyton, called Saint Clair's, The twins of Saint oh, Clair's. Oh, so yeah, like I never
6: Blighton. read that one. No. Was that I good? You, that was, that. you preferred that to Malory Towers, did you?
1: Yes, I didn't. Well, really they're the different. The did La- they play something
6: else? Like they played netball. They, they played play netball. Play the net oh, yeah. netball versus lacrosse. Okay, I see. The social there isn't there nipple
1: yeah I'll definitely check this one out it is Mallory Towers tomorrow at 5.30pm on CBBC I was going to say that I'll watch it later on but sure by 5.30 i have my dinner and everything Yeah you are yeah, probably be going t- to bed by then Yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> That's the way things go Yeah. Grand. and then on Wednesday we have The Countess and The Russian Billionaire BBC 2 at 9pm and of course Tiger King if you haven't checked it out yet do it is on Netflix and doing so well for them at the moment If only
6: for his mullet if only for his blonde mullet and his hand the bar moustache just have a look
1: Yeah Have you watched yeah. it yet?
6: No, I haven't. I've only seen his I've only seen pictures of the guy. Okay. So I've probably watched a bit of it tonight. I'm, I'm, I'm curious about it. I'm okay, just I'm going
1: to ask you next week. See what you you ask think me what I think for next yeah. week, okay, exactly. Cool. All right, in the meantime, take care of yourself. I'll talk to you next week.
0: Take care, that The Sunday Grill with Crane & Crane Insurance. To compare motor and home insurance quotes across multiple different insurers, see craneandcrane.ie.